How are you guys this morning? Good, good. I'm very, very excited to be able to, um, to bring the word this morning. Um, and it's actually, uh, this message has been a long time coming. Uh, it's, it's funny. Uh, we're going to be in Acts, uh, chapter 8, if you want to go ahead and start turning there. But this story um, is, and I say this a lot, my youth kids will laugh at me, um, is my favorite story in the whole Bible. Um, it really is. I've, I've said that a lot before, but this one genuinely has been and not only my favorite because it's awesome, but it's my favorite because it is it's very similar to my own story. Um, it's the, the story that God used to give me my call into ministry. It's the, the story that God used to move me from uh, a little bitty church to Buck Creek and a, and a story that God used to move me from Buck Creek to here. And so it's just, it's really resonated in my heart for a very long time. And when I heard, uh, I think it was, I can't remember how long ago. How long ago did we preach Acts, Scott? Two years ago. When I, when I heard we were going to do Acts and, you know, Scott was setting up his big light bulb thing, um, I got really excited. I said, Scott, you've got to let me preach Acts. And because Scott's awesome and gracious, he said, absolutely, sure. Um, and so we get time, or we get close to time, and, and we're, we're reading through Scripture, and, and, and Scott's kind of breaking the series down. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's going to fall perfectly. It's going to fall perfectly right before a youth event. And I'm going to be able to preach this message. And I'm, I was getting amped up. And then I can't, I'm pretty sure, I'm going to blame this on Scott, and he can um, be mad at me later for it. He said, man, I just, you know, I think we're going to have to push Acts 8 back a week. And I think we're, we're going to have to spend a little bit more time in the beginning of Acts. I said, Scott, no. I've been waiting for this for like a year to preach this message. He said, wow, why, why can't you? I said, I've got a youth event that weekend. And so, lo and behold, I, I didn't get to preach it that, um, that morning. Scott did a fantastic job with it. But I've been waiting ever since for God to give me the green light to preach it again. Every time Scott will ask me to preach, I'm like, God, is it, is it time? He's like, no, no, it's not time. I say, is it time this time? No. And, and fortunately for me, uh, God finally gave me the green light to preach it, so I'm, I'm extremely excited to, to preach this message. It's one that, like I said, has meant the world to me over the past five years. And so we're going to be in Acts chapter 8. We're going to start in um, verse 25. But before that, I'm going to pray, um, and then we'll jump into it. Oh, Father, I, I'm, I'm so thankful for everything that you are. God, I'm, I'm so insanely blessed just to get to, to, to follow in your pathways. I'm so insanely blessed that you would even give me the steps um, in front of me to walk. God, that you would call me yours that I would be adopted into your family. That when you look at me, that you would see your son. God, that you took the man that I used to be and you, you recreated him into something beautiful in your eyes. And even when I can't see it, God, you see my potential. God, I'm, I'm just so thankful for that. I'm so blessed. God, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for all the things that you're, you've done in the past and what you're going to do in the future. God, I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for these people. God, and for everything I know that this church is going to be able to do through you, through your work, through the guiding of your spirit. God, and I pray this morning would be a, would it, would be a start of those things as we look at the steps that Philip took to accomplish your work and to see the amazing things 
that you promise started with these small steps and ended with this miraculous miracle. God, I pray that this church this morning, the people that are sitting in these, these seats, God, that you would start to soften their hearts. Because it's my belief that every person sitting in this room has something that they came in here with that you've been working on their heart for them to, be, to, for them to do. Some sort of next step in their life, whether it's a confessing of a sin, whether it's taking a step of faith, whether it's to be saved. God, I, I don't believe that, that there's anybody in this room that's, that's not facing some sort of decision in their life, something to grow closer to you. And I know that, that being stagnant is, is something that creeps up on us in the church a lot. God, so I pray that through this message, through your words, not mine, God, that we would see a movement of your people. God, that we would see passion from your people and we would see boldness from your people. God, that they would be courageous, courageous enough to take their next step. So, Father, work and move. I should never pray. Amen. Awesome. So just a little bit of, of backstory um, before we jump into this because it's, it's key. Philip um, was one of the seven that was chosen um, just a few chapters before um, in, in chapter 6 that was chosen out of, out of his, his peers um, to go and, and wait tables is, is how the Bible phrases it. He's one that was a, a man full of the Spirit, He's a godly man, and he was, he was chosen by his peers to go wait tables and to care for, the, um, for the, the widows and the orphans. But God had more planned for him. And so sometime after he was, he was serving and, and making sure people were, um, they had food and they had the necessities they needed, God called Philip um, to Samaria. It was after the stoning of Stephen. Um, and the, the, the church kind of scattered after that because great persecution arose. Um, and Philip ended up in Samaria. And, and if you don't know, Samaria was, was not a, a liked group of people. They were, they were considered lesser people. The Jews didn't usually go down that way. But Philip was filled with compassion for them, and he starts to proclaim Christ. He starts to, to share Jesus with this group of people, and great revival breaks out. I'm, I'm talking... All kind of people are getting saved. Um, and it's an amazing, amazing thing. Um, and so they call the apostles down, and the apostles come, and they lay hands on people, and everybody's filled with the Holy Spirit. So this amazing re revival is breaking out in Samaria. And as soon as it's kind of... It, people have heard the gospel that the, the, um, the apostles are kind of heading back to Jerusalem. Something happens um, to Philip. And we see that starting in verse 26. He, he, he's in this revival. He's around this great group of people. He's around this huge congregation of people. And God does something strange. We see it in verse 26. It says this, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And what I don't want you to miss here, this is, this is crucial, is, is it was the angel of the Lord that told Philip to do this. If Philip on his own accord was not going to leave great revival, something amazing that God was doing, and take off to the desert for a day. There wasn't anything there. It's not the kind of day trip you take just to wander out into the middle of the desert without any supplies, but that's exactly what the angel says to Philip. He says, rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. 
And we see Philip had great obedience. That he was willing to go, you know what? I'm in this, I'm in this great place where great things are happening. And you want me to go where? What am I, I going to be doing there, God? What am I going to be doing there, angel? What, what's, what's happening? Why are you calling me there? He didn't ask any of these questions. He just rose and went. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm asking questions. Can I take a backpack? How much water do I need? Can I bring snacks? I like trail mix. What do you think about that? You know, like, I'm asking questions because me and my little anxious self, I'm not going to wander out into the desert. What if I get lost? Can I take a buddy? Like, there's, there's other things that are be going through my mind, not immediate obedience. And I'm just, I'm blown away as I read this story that Philip just goes, all right, cool. On to the next thing. And so he... Um, it says in, in verse 27, and he rose and he went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and was reading from the prophet Isaiah. And so there's, there's a lot of really interesting stuff the more that you dig into um, this Ethiopian eunuch. Um, so he's... he's over her treasury, this, this queen of the Ethiopians. And, and Candace isn't actually her name. It's, it's actually more of a title like Pharaoh. She would have been the queen's mother. She had charge of everything. She was top dog um, in Ethiopia. And Ethiopia um, was a thriving um, place at this time. But you see that he is somebody who at least fears the Lord, wants to know more about him because he's going to Jerusalem to worship. He's going to be uh, a part of the Jewish um, festivals. He's, he's trying to learn and trying to soak up as much as he can, but there's a problem. You see, the Jewish people had the, the laws of, of Moses, and by the laws of Moses, he could only become so close to the Jewish faith. Um, and I know there's some, some little ears in here, so I'm going to paraphrase. Um, if, you'll, if you want to, it's in Deuteronomy. Um, I'm going to read just a little, little section here. Uh, Deuteronomy 23. Verse 1. And like I said, you read your version. I'm going to paraphrase. Um, no one whose privates have been crushed or whose privates are cut off shall enter into the assembly of the Lord. Um, and that's what his situation was. And so he was somebody that no matter how much he wanted to become a Jewish person, a proselyte, a believer into the Jewish faith, no matter how bad he desired that, he could only ever get so far. So this is a man who, who was pursuing God, who was pursuing God with everything he had, but because of the system that was set in place, he could only go so far, and there was something missing in his life. There was a burden. He'd gone to Jerusalem. He'd try to get it there. And then in Jerusalem, he apparently picks up a copy of Isaiah. And, and what we've got to understand is, is that was not something that was easily done. All these copies were handwritten, and they would have been insanely expensive. This would have been something that the normal average person didn't have access to. This is something they just didn't carry around. It wasn't the whole Bible or the whole Old Testament. It was, it was just Isaiah. He was desperate to find out more about God, but he was cut off from, from the synagogue. He's hungry for the word, and it's, it's just so cool to see God had been orchestrating this the whole time because Philip was headed to the desert. There's not supposed to be people in the desert. 
And as he's strolling through, walking down this road to nowhere, here sits this man who is hungry for God, a man who has purchased a copy of Isaiah, and, and we're going to find out here in a second, is, is reading portions about Christ. And it just so happened that God worked this timing out absolutely perfectly. Absolutely perfectly. So then we continue to read. I was about to read more out of Deuteronomy. That's a different message. Um, back in Acts. I'm getting there. There we go. So verse 28, it says, And he was returned and seated in his chair, and he was reading from the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join his chariot. So once again, we see Philip's obedience here, because just picture this in your head. So he's wandering through the desert. He's probably dusty, gross, sweaty, got some stank on him. Um, and he's traveling through the desert. And here's this, this man. He was a very, very high official. He had control over the treasury, riding in a chariot. And these guys didn't just stroll through um, the desert by themselves. He was a very prominent person, so he would have had an entourage around him. And now, I've studied and studied and studied. Nobody can tell you how big the entourage was. Some people said it was like a small army. Some people say it's six to seven. But either way, dude would have had some guys that were big, burly, some swords, some shields. That's not the kind of person you just run up to and knock on their door, right? It's a scary situation because for all they know, he's just some crazy guy hanging out in the desert. They're going to want some distance from him. There's going to be some resistance. And the angel says, all right, you've trusted me this far. You've trusted me far enough to go into the desert without anything. And now what I want you to do is, you see that guy over there? I want you to just like run up to him and just strike up a conversation. Once again, my initial reaction is like, can I stroll up to him? Do I have to run? Can I shout from a distance? Can I say, excuse me, sir, uh, do you have a moment to talk about something? Something. I'm going to make some excuses to make it more comfortable to me. But God says, no. I want you to run up to him. I want you to go over there. And the crazy thing is, is that Philip runs. It says in verse 30, it says, So Philip ran to him. And so I just, I love this. I picture this thing. He just takes off sprinting. Just running up to him. Rolls up and says, What's going on, guys? My name's Philip. Introduces himself. No care. No anything. His obedience blows my mind. And as he gets close to the, the chariot, it says this in, um, in the verse 30. It says, So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And now, this man could have dismissed him. Could have, could have completely said, you know, Who are you to speak to me? Go away, guard to take him away, throw him in jail, do something to him. But it shows this man's hunger. Because he's diving into the prophet Isaiah, and this guy comes up out of nowhere and says, Do you understand what you're reading? And his response is this. Verse 31, it says, How can I unless someone guides me? Which shows once again that he could not get the, the guidance and the proper instruction from the synagogues. He had been there, he'd been worshiping, he'd, he'd heard some, but he, he couldn't have anybody teach him. He was still set apart, and so he was somebody looking in that desperately, desperately wanted this, so much so that he's not worried about the stranger that's coming up and asking him questions. He just immediately pours his heart out and says, how can I unless somebody teaches me? You see the desperation in this man's voice. It 
And it says, he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Verse 32, now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. So, God orchestrates this moment so perfectly that he just so happens to be reading a scripture that is a prophecy about Jesus as soon as he rolls up. So he timed it out perfectly for Philip to enter the desert, for him to have enough time to get to the eunuch, for him to roll up at just the perfect time, for him to hear that scripture. If that's not God orchestrating this divine appointment, I don't know what is. And it's so crazy. And Philip was ready. He was prepared because at that moment it says, the eunuch asked him in 34, and the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you does the prophet say this, about himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news of Jesus. You see, God was prepared, but so was Philip. Philip was able to take that point of scripture and trace it all the way back to Jesus and explain to him the gospel, so much so that this man gets saved. And this is where the story gets crazy, and I just, I love it, blows my mind. Verse 36 So he's told them the good news about Jesus. Verse 36 says, And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is the water. What prevents me from being baptized? Just quick, Paul, what's what's not usually in the desert? Water. Just so happens to be water now at this exact location, at this exact moment after Philip has, has taught him about Jesus, and he's come to this saving knowledge, and just so happens in the middle of desert, and it goes, and it's so cool because it specifies that in the very beginning. Luke says, this is a desert place, that God is orchestrating this amazing thing, and because Philip has faithfully taken steps that God's called him to, everything has worked out perfect, and it says, you know, this man says, what stops you from being, being baptized? In verse 38, some of you will have a 37, some of you will not have a 37. Um, uh, ESV does not, I'm going to go to 38. Um, if you've got questions about that, you can ask me or Scott later. Uh, it says, and he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water. Now catch this, this is crazy. Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, you know, so you know, if you've been buried with me in baptism, raised to walk with newness of life, as they come up out of the water, like that, uh, the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found, found himself in Azotus, and he, was pass- and he passed, through the preaching, passed through the city's preaching the gospel in all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So what happened here is he buries this dude in the water, dunks him, and he comes up out of the water. And as soon as he comes out of the water, Philip is gone. Gone. Just poof. Star Trek. Beam me up, Scotty. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too young to understand Star Trek. Um, he's just gone, guys. He's, this, somebody got teleported in the scripture. And he's found like several miles in the other direction. Well, this wasn't just like God picked him up and put him just, you know, on the other road, hit him behind a rock kind of situation. This is a great distance away. And the even crazier thing is it says that the eunuch just keeps on, he just goes about his day rejoicing. If I get baptized, if Scott were to baptize me and I came up by the water and Scott was gone, I'm having a heart attack right there in the water. I'm dead. I'm gone. Me and Jesus, we're going to see each other. Like, it's over. 
But what had happened was such a miraculous thing that this man goes, that's my God, and keeps on trucking. That's my God, and just keeps on trucking. And church history would say that this man went back to Ethiopia, and he shared that exact same gospel that Philip had shared with him. And that revival then broke out in Ethiopia to the point where he even got to baptize Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. Now that's church history. It's not scripture, but it's, it's backed up by some early church fathers that, that that's what happened. And so, Philip, who left a revival to go to the one, that obedience led to another revival. To a group of people that were also put at a distance from the Jewish people. People that were thought to be lesser. Because you, this story blows my mind because it's a story of how simple obedience, simple obedience can change the world. When you start and you listen to what God says, even in the smallest of things, that God will lead you to your next step, to your next step, to your next step, until amazing things happen. I believe as Christians, we all want to see the amazing things of God. Or at least I do. I'll speak for myself. You know, I read in Scripture all the time that God does amazing things. He moves mountains. He does miracles. He does all this different stuff. And I've been repeatedly asked over the years, why don't we see God moving miraculously like he did in the scriptures? And I've got an answer. It's because the people of God won't take the first step. They refuse to move. Because we're okay with sitting in a chair, sitting in a pew, singing a couple songs, shaking a couple hands. How you doing? Oh, I'm fine, Rick. I'm doing great. When you're not... You're broken. Your marriage is crumbling. You haven't picked up your Bible in six months. You have to wipe the dust off the cover every time you come to church. You want to know why the church isn't moving and breathing and active and doing the things like Acts was? It's because Christians will not be obedient. And obedience is hard. Philip had to leave something amazing to go to somewhere that absolutely terrified him. It's not, and not, I'm not saying Philip in general, but like going into the desert without any preparations, not knowing how long you're going to be there. I mean, there's, like, you could die from that. If you stay out there too long, there's dehydration, there's starvation, there's random animals, I'm assuming, in the wilderness out there that could eat you. And I'm worried about the animals. I don't have a good enough gun. Um, there's so much danger that faces him. But he goes anyways. And then he sees the eunuch in the chariot, and there was danger, there's hardship, there's, there's, there's a, literally a hedge of protection around where he's trying to get to. God says, go, and he went anyways. He could have stalled out then and says, you know what, I went to the desert, but this is too much. I'm not, I'm not getting myself killed for this, God. I'm, I'm, I'm headed back to Samaria where the revival is. I want to go back there, it's comfortable there. I want to go back there where everybody likes me, where I've just given them the good news, where everything's great, where everything's grand, and, and I can kind of just move back into that good society, and I can pat myself on the back and be like, look what I did for God. But he doesn't. He's obedient. He takes his next step. He moves and he shares the gospel with this man. And because he shares the gospel with this man, this man gets baptized in this miraculous body of water that pops out of nowhere. And then Philip gets to join the ranks of only two other people in Scripture, Elijah and Ezekiel, that 
got transported somewhere else by God. Now, I'm not here preaching that if you share the gospel and you go do obedience, you get to be teleported to some other city. Like, hear me. That's not what I'm promising you. Um, Could it happen? Who knows? God did it before. I'm not going to put limits on him, but that's not an average thing. Um, But I do know this, that if we want to see the amazing things of God, we have to move. If we want to see people's lives change, we have to move. If we want salvation to come to our friends and neighbors, we have to move. We have to be faithful when it's scary. We have to be faithful when it hurts. We have to be faithful when it makes us uncomfortable. We've got to see the bigger picture that God's trying to do. We've got to see what God wants down the road and be willing to take the hard steps now. This is a simple message. It's a short message. But it has a very, very powerful convicting factor to it. Philip had steps he had to take. You can count them off. You can see them very clearly in Scripture. And like I said in my prayer earlier, I think every person in this room has the next step they need to take. My question for you guys is what is your next step? You've all got one. And if you want to see the amazing things of God, you've got to be willing to move. So maybe your next step is to make a relationship right that's been wrong. Because what I know about God is that it says several times in Scripture, if you realize that you've got something against your brother, or you've got something, or your brother's got something against you, then don't even make a sacrifice. You leave your sacrifice on the altar and you go make it right. So what that tells me is that God's not going to move in your life if you're not willing to move and be simply obedient to the simple calls in his life. So maybe you've got an issue with somebody. Maybe you've got a lie that's been smoldering in your heart for years. Maybe it's time that you confess it and you build that relationship. Because I know this, I know this to be true a million times. And you ask my wife, she'll amen it. Uh, anytime that I've done something stupid and I lie about it, my life goes downhill quick. Me and her start fighting. Things get ugly. I get irritable. She gets irritable. And she won't even know what's going on. I'll be holding it together. We're good. And then just something about me will get on her nerves. And like more than usual. And eventually, I'll break down. I'll confess it. And she'll look at me and go, I'm more mad at you that you lied about it than I am what you did. And what I've done is I've put this wall up between mine and her relationship because every time I look at her, I remember the lie. I remember the, the bad thing. I remember the situation. And when we do that with other people, our brothers and sisters, same thing happens between us and God. Because you can't look at God and not be obedient because he is the light and his light shines and it casts away the darkness. And so you are convicted when you look at God. And so you, what you do is when you're living in this sin, you start to avoid looking at God. You start to avoid the person that you're around. You start looking at your feet. You run into things that way. So maybe it's confessing a lie. Maybe it's the fact that you have long neglected your scripture. You know, me and Steve Campbell were talking about it this morning. The church in America today is massively illiterate. People don't pick up their word because they're okay with the VBS stories they heard as a kid and preaching. Um, and Scott does a great job of, of challenging every Sunday. But when you leave, that, you know, that's not enough. Sunday mornings is not enough. 
when you leave here, if you don't pick up your word throughout the day, then you're never going to figure out what the call of God is. He's never going to talk to you. You can pray all you want to. It'd be like if I, if I were to ask God a, a question, ask you six or seven questions, and then as he was starting to speak, I went, okay, I'm done. And then just completely ignored him. Guys, this is how God responds. This is how God responds. You want to know what his answers are, you have to go to him and get his answers. So maybe it's that you've you've stopped reading. Maybe it's that you've stopped praying. Maybe it's that you've you've completely cut off your prayer life with God because it feels like it's just hitting the ceiling. Maybe it's time to dust off the old prayer and start to ask God again and ask him to give you clarity about why he didn't answer it in the first time. Maybe it's about making church a priority. I know we're in crazy times, but you can still make church a priority. Because God will use his word, but he'll also use the people around you, the Christians who love you. I don't know where I'd be today without my wife, Scott, uh, Tyler Dover, Blake, you know, these people that surround me and and correct me and guide me and give me advice. You've got to have those people. And maybe, just maybe, there's somebody in here today that their next step needs to be salvation. As the band comes back up to do um, the last song, I believe today that there's people in this room that are lost. I think it was uh, Billy Graham that said somewhere between 70 and 80% of the church is lost, people that come in the doors daily. Um, And I'd like to think that New Life was a much higher percentage, but I'm not going to argue with Billy Graham. Maybe today is the day that God has orchestrated for you to be here. God orchestrated the, the perfect scenario for Philip and this, this, this man from Ethiopia. He orchestrated it so well that there was even water by the time he accepted Christ. Friends, there's, there's, there's no other reason that you're here today than because God wanted you to be here today. So maybe this morning is, is a divine appointment for you to hear the gospel that Jesus Christ loves you, that he died on the cross to save you, and that through him you can have hope. Maybe you've been hungry for a while and you felt this stirring in your soul for, for a while, and, and you felt cut off and you felt at a distance. Today, this morning, you can get rid of the stirring and actually be called his. And all you've got to do is be obedient to what God's already doing in your life. I believe if God's stirring, he's stirring, and he's stirring for salvation. God does the work, you just have to be obedient. So this morning, as the band leads us, and as we close, my question to you guys is, <clears throat> in what way do you need to be obedient? And I would ask that whatever that is, that you come confess it at the altar. And there's a whole bunch of altar down here. You can social distance like crazy. Or you can stay in your seat, whatever you're comfortable with. But I believe that there's a lot to be done in this church. There's a lot to be done in this community. It's going to start with you guys. But it's going to start with you being obedient. It's going to start with you taking the first step, no matter how hard, no matter how difficult, no matter how uncomfortable it makes you. When God says to move, his people have to move. So where do you need to move this morning? God... I'm thankful for this story. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for 
everything you've done in my life. God, and I'm thankful for all the things that you're going to do in these people. God, I pray that you would start to just beat people up in this room. God, that you would show them exactly what they need to do next, whether it's with their spouse, whether it's with a friendship, whether it's with their relationship with you, whether it's salvation. God, move in this place. Speak boldly to the hearts and minds of your people and the people that you're calling. Father, we'll give you all the glory and honor for everything that you do. In your name I pray, amen. You guys stand and move how the Spirit calls you. Oh, 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 oh,